0: Hey, this is Liz Tinkham and welcome to Third Act, a podcast about people embracing the third act of their lives with a new sense of purpose and direction. The third act begins when your script ends, but your show's not finished. Hi, and welcome to Third Act. On today's show, I talk with Ann Sample, the career reinventor. So what do you do as the head of HR once you've counseled yourself out during a company transition? Well, if you're Anne Sample you buy into the business that you're already good at. Anne bought her outplacement firm, Navigate Forward in 2019. On today's show, Anne talks about her early start as an Ohio plant manager, to her leading HR for several big companies, and how she eventually realized that she wanted to run the P&L of her own business. Today, she is the happy owner and CEO of, as one of her friends calls it, her own ministry at Navigate Forward, running a business that provides counsel to those seeking a career reinvention. Anne, thanks so much for joining us today. Another fellow Buckeye and friend of Bev Teruli. Where do I find you today? I am in Minneapolis,
1: Liz. It's a beautiful sunny day here.
0: So I kind of want to get started with your Columbus roots. What did you plan to do after you left the hallowed halls of Columbus, Ohio and Ohio State?
1: The funny thing is I went into Ohio State assuming I was going to be a biochemical engineer, and that was my, uh, my interest. Somewhere along the way, I stumbled into the field of people, which amazingly is not that different than organic chem. uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard that before. You got to say more about that. Why is it not that different?
1: Well, the reason I would say that is because I think I have met six women with a background in some kind of biochemical um, studies. It's a weird trend that I have found, but I have met, I can think of four of them off the top of my head, who started in this idea of science and ended up enjoying The notion of trying to understand people, what makes them tick, how to optimize performance. There is a lot of similarities between figuring out the people side of an equation and solving those kind of biology and chemistry problems, believe it or not.
0: Wouldn't that be funny to go back and give a talk at the College of Biochem at Ohio State and say, by the way, you're all going to be uh, going for career HR professional jobs as well. So I'm not sure that would
1: play very well. I don't think they all will. There's a few of them that are sure they're not in the right place because there won't be enough people to engage with in the lab. It's those people.
0: <laughs> yes, you're just studying microbes. So you and I did have similar experiences. And not only did we graduate from Ohio State, but we graduated with degrees where there were few women and particularly in Ohio, which at that time was a big manufacturing state. And actually, it still is. I think you went to work for a plant and you I were didn't. telling me you were the only gal. Tell us, yeah. I think it was at Whirlpool. Tell us about that experience.
1: It was. I went to work in Clyde, Ohio. Where, where is Clyde, Ohio? It's south of Toledo. So it's somewhere between Toledo and Cleveland. But it is, you know, Whirlpool would build these huge manufacturing plants in small towns. It was a great opportunity to go to work for a great boss doing some really interesting work in a really small town. I didn't realize I was going to be one of two women on the management team. So how'd you find your way into HR? Actually, that first role was an HR role. Really? What were you doing? Well, they would grow people to be HR because they put plants in these small towns. Communications was incredibly important to maintaining a union-free status. So the crazy part is my they convinced me my first job with them was a communi- was in communications and I was the only person I spent time on the shop floor, I spent time talking to the local media, I was the only person who could represent the company, but it was about learning the processes, it was everything from applying for applying for I think we got recognized as a top manufacturer. It's hard to it's hard to talk about the spectrum of the work. But the great thing is every week I sat in on the president's staff meeting as a fly on the wall. Oh, what a great experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. I learned a lot about the business. I learned a lot about change management and I learned a lot
0: about uh, people. If you get a chance to do those sort of business manager slash true executive assistant, anything where you can get that kind of exposure early in your career, it's a really, really good opportunity for people.
1: To me, there was no better way to learn the business, to just watch it happening.
0: So you had a long career in HR across Pepsi, Thrive and Caribou Coffee and bagels. What were some of the biggest changes that you saw in the profession over the 20, 30 years that you were doing it?
1: I remember how little technology there was in the early days. And the fact that like any other field, you know, the fact that you could begin to use systems, the fact you could gather data, the fact you could understand everything from, I think about creating the first employee engagement survey that we had ever done at that plant in Clyde. And having somebody who was writing on key cards figure out how to ask people how they felt about work. And I compare that to what you could do now. So I think technology and the use of technology has changed a lot. People and understanding how to best leverage um, and help the talent get into the right spots has gotten a lot more sophisticated. And I think it used to be all about compliance and labor laws and you know, I, I personally think that human resources has become much more of a business partnership function and much less of a risk mitigation. As people,
0: if they were to go somewhere next, what was the kinds of advice that you were giving them? And talk about the, what you learned through those years.
1: What I learned was that oftentimes people are, are not terribly thoughtful about their own careers. They're all in, right? They're they're doing the work that needs to be done, let alone having a busy life outside of work. And so what I found is too many people were, they were letting their career happen to them versus being thoughtful about what they were good at, what they enjoyed and where they could add value. My counsel to people would generally be to to go back and focus on those three questions. Think about what you're really good at. Think about where you add value. Think about where you want to be. And then be thoughtful and make sure you're both communicating that you have to advocate for yourself. There's no organization that's going to advocate for you. Um, And you also have to take risks. You have to try new things. And for people that would, you know, there were people who wanted to maximize their careers. They wanted them to move quickly, but they wanted those to be safe moves. Well, you don't maximize a career by making safe pivots. You maximize a career by trying new things. Talk about
0: your transition from, I think your last corporate job was at Caribou to
1: Navigate Forward, what was that like? So Navigate Forward's a boutique firm that works with executives and career transitions. We help people pivot to new jobs and figure out what they wanna do next. The majority of our clients come to us cause they're paid for by their company, but sometimes it's people individually. And so in my case, I had been a corporate buyer of Navigate Forward services for years because as the companies that I worked for were restructuring as they were making changes, We had executives that needed support. And so I was a corporate customer of Navigate Forward. I sent executives to navigate for services. So I knew it very well, believed in it very strongly. But um, the interesting thing is that Coffee and Bagels, as I was leading, we were going through, we had had multiple reductions in force, multiple changes. And so in the last round that I led there, I actually looked at our CEO and said, you know what? This is not strategic HR work you're either going to eliminate me or you're going to eliminate 10 people that answer real questions for restaurant GMs. I think the right answer is to put my name on the list, but I want Navigate Forward Services.
0: Got it. So you kind of outplaced yourself? Yeah, put my own. basically put my own name on the list. Speaking of risk and taking a risk, you kind of stepped back and thought you wanted to run a P&L. Yep. So how did that translate into the next step?
1: The first step in our process is we, we actually ask people to hit the pause button Don't go jump into a job just like the one you came from unless you're really sure that's what you want to do next. And so that's the counsel we give to our clients. That's what I got when I arrived. And so as I sat down and thought about it, everybody felt I should just go lead an HR function again because I'd done it three times and I had done it three times. It felt like it was time for, I don't know whether it was time for a third act or not, but I certainly knew it was time to do something different. Good for you. Okay. And I thought about what I had been missing. And what I found is I had had an opinion about growing a business and about the PL, but I had never been the decision maker. And I just decided it was time to pivot. And so I reworked all of my materials and went out to the market and said, I want to run something. And
0: how did Navigate Forward find you? I mean, you'd already been a client of theirs, but how did the opportunity to lead it come about?
1: Well, that was the strange thing. Nothing stranger than being in due diligence with a company while you're a client. That truly is what happened. But I discovered that Navigate Forward was they were working with a broker to find a buyer. Ironically, I said, well, I I actually think this is exactly the kind of business I've been providing support to people and helping them think through their careers for a long time. It's a business I know. It's a brand I love. And so I I made the decision to buy the business while I was in services as a client.
0: <laughs> well, you found your own job that way, right? I did. I, that did. Must, I mean, was that, I mean, how scary was that? Because you had to come with the money. I mean, you'd never done that. I mean, who helped you? I mean, how did you get over the fear of, of sort of failure? Because I think there's a big leap.
1: It is. I had done a lot of M&A due diligence work. So the good news is, I was able to look at the, you know, I could look at the business and say, look, as long as I don't screw it up, this is a well-run business that should be able to run under new leaders. I made sure I was aligned with, I know most M&A deals, you know, what, where they really fail is if the if new person comes in and tries to change the culture. Correct. Yeah. It's hard, really hard, right? Yeah. And I was so aligned from a value standpoint with the women that had started this firm, which I think was lucky for me because they had seven bidders for the business. And so I was actually in competition with other people who wanted to buy it. And they picked you. Yeah. I think, well, the good news is they knew me and they knew what I stood for. They knew that I had the same values in terms of wanting to give back to the community and they knew why I wanted to run the business. And I think that actually gave me an advantage as a buyer, you know, in terms of how, what I did was I went back to folks that I had worked with in the past, worked for in the past, people who had been mentors and i said and i did this even when i repositioned my materials to ask them how do you feel about me running a business what do you think about capabilities what should i emphasize what kind of business and i got a lot of encouragement from the people that i had that i had worked with before to tell me that you know not only did they feel like i could do it but then they gave me great suggestions tell me what's been the hardest thing from
0: in making the transition from being a senior functional lead understanding really well the function, but then running it as the CEO, president of of the actual business?
1: I would say a few things. One is that I came out of pretty large corporate organizations with lots of resources. And so for me, it wasn't just the pivot from functional to general management, but it was also large company to really small. And so large to small, it was getting used to the idea that I wasn't gonna have the same resources we were just talking about our geo expansion strategy and somebody said, did you do a bunch of market research? And I said, uh, yep, did it myself and then figured out where I really wanted to grow the business. <laughs> I love it. You know, so you just have to learn to make do with less information and fewer resources. But the other thing is that it was, I had had an opinion about the p is different when you own it.
0: It is, you know, it is
1: very easy to look at it and say, well, if we make these investments, there'll be growth. And when those investments are your investments and you're actually reaching into your own pocket or you're making the decision not to take money off the table, things get into there's a new prism. There's a new way to look at the business and look at what's important. I think the same leadership, I mean, I love leading a team. So it's been fun to still use the people skills, but I didn't know anything about sales or marketing or what I knew about brands. I had learned from time working for great brands. Mm hmm. But you have
0: to build your own brand here, right?
1: Yeah. And maybe one other question, because you know we have a lot of listeners
0: who are thinking about their third acts. And one of the things I love about your story is how you kind of took what you really knew well, decided you needed to run a PL, and l and then went bought into that business, which is a really interesting pivot. If you had one piece of advice for people who are thinking about doing something similar, what might it be?
1: The first one I would say is make sure you don't When the women who owned the business sold to me or decided they were going to sell to me, they were really excited because of how similar we were. I don't think they understood how much information I was going to ask for in due diligence. But it's part of what has allowed me to, um, not only to buy the business successfully, but then begin to grow it. And so, you know, just do not hesitate. It doesn't matter what size business you're growing. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Make sure you have really looked under every rock And that you truly understand what's the value proposition, what's working, what's not, what are you going to have to invest in? You know, this was a business where a lot of the intellectual capital sat in the heads of the founders. They thought they were going to be willing to stay for a couple of years. But the fact of the matter is they were really ready for transition. The fact that we got so much due diligence and put so much information on the table made it a lot easier because they have, they're both incredibly supportive. But they've been able to have a lot less involvement with the business than they expected to. They were able to turn it over pretty quickly. And one of them has come back to work for me as a consultant. She's got her third act. That's great. It's really fun. She walks in the door to work with clients and she says, I don't have to worry about paying the light bill. I don't have to worry about, she goes, you got to worry about all those things. You're running the business. I just got to take care of clients. (laughs) What a good gig.
0: So what are some of the trends you're seeing these days in career transition and what people are doing, especially with
1: all the employment opportunities that are out there right now? Yeah, well, there are. it's a great market for talent. So what I would say is um, our clients are landing faster than they've ever landed, and they're going to much more interesting things. We actually do work with people. We not only help people find their next job, but sometimes we're helping people do something we call encore planning. Encore planning is when somebody's leaving a a corporate career and they want to figure out, I mean, I actually think it aligns perfectly with your idea of a third act, because no one wants to retire. I have not talked to a single individual in two and a half years that has said to me, I wanna go to the golf course or the beach and I'm done. There are people that have corporate careers that wanna keep adding value. They don't necessarily wanna stay in a corporate career. So our Encore planning is the work that we do with a leader to help them identify, how are you gonna add value? What's the work that you're going to do? Is it about nonprofit leadership? Is it about, in my case, we always have kind of laughed because buying a business isn't really an encore. It's just a next gig where you don't have any corporate resources. But we have a lot of folks that are going to fractional leadership roles. When they're taking, they were CFOs at huge companies and they still want to be a CFO, but they really do want to do it 10 hours a week. Is there a pretty good market for that right now? There is. Okay. Fractional market is strong. The consulting market is strong. And then we have people just pivoting to totally different kind of work. Somebody um, came to work with us in a very high, from a very high-powered role in, um, let's just say, investment banking. I'll put it in that category. Somebody who's um, very capable, lots of things that, and and truly thought that they were um, that that was what they wanted to do again. And what's fascinating to me is they have built this incredibly incredible portfolio that includes. Um, they are on boards, but they're also working as a volunteer firefighter. Oh, my goodness. This individual is happier than he's ever been and more satisfied. And he has just completely reframed how he adds value and what he does. And it's really fun to talk to him because it is not, it wasn't where his mindset was when he walked in the door. Through your Encore plan. you helped him figure that out. We did.
0: One of the things I've always struggled with is people say to me, did you have a passion that you kind of put on hold while you were working? And I'm like, oh, not really. I mean, so then I have all this time, talent, and treasure. How do I, you know, use your passion? I'm like, well, I don't know what mine is. I mean, did, was he able to, did he have a passion for firefighting or did he did?
1: He did. And had he done it before? No, no, not at all. No, this was something, but now as he, as he looks at future opportunities, like he's now looking at places where he can combine his financial acumen. He goes, Maybe I could find companies that do firefighting equipment. Maybe I could.
0: Oh, there's lots of those. Right. Right. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, very interesting.
1: And so what we really the way we get after it is truly just in dialogue. Our consultants have great questions. You know, as you talk to somebody, they may not be able to identify their passions. But when they are talking about how they spend their time, you can watch somebody's energy level. And sometimes our consultants can help them identify what they're passionate about.
0: Right, because they can see the energy level going up and down, right? Like, oh, you really like that. Well, that's really fun. So you counsel both men and women. What differences do you see, if any, in talking with both of them?
1: From a gender standpoint?
0: Yeah. Is there any difference?
1: You know, I think the difference is because in our business, a big portion of our clients are coming to us and they may not have made the choice to leave. That might have been made for them by their company. I do think and I this isn't unusual, but I think many of our male clients, that's a bigger blow to their ego because it's so much a definition of who they are. And so if I were going to make some, you know, some stereotypical conversations around gender, what I would say is that sometimes our female clients can pivot more quickly to thinking about what's next because they don't have so much personal affront and it hasn't taken away their entire identity.
0: With the sort of full employment that's going on now. What I've read is that a lot of people retired during the pandemic. So are you busier than ever or not as busy because people are staying in their jobs or what's happened to your business itself?
1: So our business has been just as the pandemic hit, most companies, they needed every leader they had to get through the pivot. Are we going to make it? Or are we not? So that was actually a slower time for our business in terms of corporate paid clients. Now we had individuals coming to us because they wanted to make a change, but our corporate paid business got softer. Right now, there are a lot more, there are companies making changes and there are people making changes. So we are quite busy. And some of it is motivated by, you know, individuals being impacted, but a lot of it's motivated by people wanting to think about what's next. So there was this whole, you know, we were talking forever about the fact there was gonna be a war for talent. What actually happened is we took away people's pensions. We took away the vehicles that made it easy to retire. And most people made a decision, you know, markets were good. People didn't have that much pressure. They stayed and worked a lot longer. I think COVID caused people to rethink whether they really needed to be doing that. And so I think part of the great resignation is just a natural flow of talent. Just people making choices around the fact I want to do something. and, And we're honored when we get a chance to help them figure out what they want to do.
0: So one of the things I love most about your story is that you you told me you created your own ministry in the sense (laughs) because you'd been giving that advice before and now you have all the sort of accolades out there in the sense, you know, you're in that business. so And I love the fact that you actually went and bought the business. So what's next and what's your future with Navigate Forward?
1: Well, I do feel and I should tell you that that notion of a ministry came up. It it really was because I was talking to my minister and telling him about I was what I was doing. And he happens to be a dear friend. We've traveled and done mission work before. And so he was intrigued that I wasn't going back to a corporate career. And so I started talking about what I was doing. And I think it comes back to that idea of reading energy level, because he was watching my energy and hearing my excitement in terms of the work we were doing. He goes, you've just created a new ministry. You're just helping people figure out what's right for them. Which is a great third act. It is. And it's, I, I thought it was kind of funny because as I sat on my screen porch, my husband and I were talking over the weekend and he was asking, he said, all right, you've owned this business now for you know two and a half years. He goes, how are you feeling? What do you think about it? What's, you know, what's giving you the most satisfaction? Is it what you expected? And I, I started to answer and he goes, okay, wait a minute. He goes, I know you're having fun running a business. He goes, but just so you know, the thing you light up about is what roles people are going to how they're changing the world. The fun part is once a month, as a cons- I gather all my consultants and we celebrate landings. And I feel like we are truly making the world a better place because we are helping people. You know, the, I've got people that are going to do great work in climate change, great work. And it's just fascinating to watch people whose third act is really different than what they were doing before, but very aligned with, their, um, with what is important to them.
0: And that's true for me too. So what about your business and you? What What do you think you're going to do with the business?
1: You know, I feel like um, we have been really well known in the Twin Cities market. And I think that's silly. I think we should be helping executives in a much broader footprint. And I've always loved growth businesses. So what I'm focusing on is going into new geographies and helping more people.
0: If we come back in three or four years, are you going to be like
1: navigate forward global conglomerate? I don't know about a global conglomerate, but I sure hope we're in more cities than we are now. And we've got clients all over the world. Yeah. But we don't necessarily have the companies that know us. And so we're, you know, we've hired consultants in new places and salesperson in a new place and probably a little easier to
0: do because people yeah. are working from wherever, right? Exactly. So, so I almost titled this podcast, I'm Not Done Yet, because I feel like I'm not done yet. So what aren't you done with yet?
1: I'm not done helping businesses to grow and get better. I really love working with people and I'm getting a chance to do it here.
0: Biochemistry background, now that we know that that's the connection, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think whether it's the nonprofits that I care about or whether it's serving on other corporate boards, I'm not done yet in terms of influencing people to think about how they can grow and what they can, how they can bring people's strategy to life and make a difference with business growth.
0: Okay. Well, that's great. And it has been terrific to talk to you on Third Act. We will put information about your company online in the show notes. Anywhere else about Navigate Forward and all that? Anywhere else people can find you online?
1: Yep. They can find us. We've got a a good website at NavigateForward.com. And I would just encourage folks to spend some time with their articles because if they're thinking about what's next in their career or thinking about board work, um, we're trying to create good content that they can take a look at to, to be a good source of reference.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Liz.
1: Thanks for joining me today
0: to listen to the Third Act Podcast. You can find show notes, guest bios, and more at thirdactpodcast.com. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and write a review on your favorite podcast platform. I'm your host, Liz Tinkham. I'll be back next week with another guest who's found new meaning and fulfillment in the third act of their life.